to check that out. That's happening tonight at uh, 1211 Kenwood. Well, bless God, we're in our thanks series and just looking at just this attitude of gratitude, of, of just being thankful. Now, I mentioned last week in the, in the message, and I talked about that we, you know, we did this wonderful celebration and this celebration of thanks that my dad, uh, who had had some, five years ago, had some serious heart stuff go on, and we were, it was a real touch and go, real scary thing, um, that uh, anyways, we did this, this adventure race together last Saturday, and so my dad was recovered enough to spend seven hours and 42 minutes of physical exertion and survived and did great. It was a wonderful experience together, and I thrived. We're looking forward to doing it again next year. Well, in that, there's a number of different things you have to do. You've got to You've got in the adventure racing, you have to, to mountain bike and you have to, to trek. You have to do these trails and, and then you have to kayak. And that was an adventure in and of itself because they made us get our kayaks and keep throwing them over dams and keep going deeper and deeper down the river. And it was quite an adventure. But the first part of it was the mountain biking. And I had not, you really need a, a good quality mountain bike. And I had a low quality <laughs> department store mountain bike. And I was not sure that this was something I'd ever want to do again. So I didn't want to, I'm cheap and I don't want to put out hundreds of dollars to get this quality mountain bike that I really needed. So I kind of, uh, I kind of repossessed my daughters because I had given it to her and I was like, I'm going to use it for this race. And, uh, but the problem was, is my, got everything working. I learned to tune a wheel and use the spokes, you know, the spokes can, you know, you can use a wrench and Tuna wheel. I learned to do that. Made my wheels work good. Lots of WD-40, all kinds of stuff. Got everything working. But uh, one of the things was is that my you're coming down hills and you can get going real fast. So a good thing is brakes. Well, my brakes did not work. They would not stop me in my driveway to avoid rear-ending my own suburban. I had to just flintstone it and put my feet on the ground and just stop myself. So I was like, okay, this is not going to work. So I did a little research. My dad had bought a nice quality bike, made, made me drool. He spent the money, got a good bike. So, and, I, and my favorite thing about my dad's bike, other than how wonderfully smooth it is, is that the brakes were awesome. So I looked up my dad's bike, found out what braking system it used, and looked to see if I could retrofit my cheap bike with this braking system. Which this braking system cost as much or more than the bike itself cost. And so, but it's cheaper than buying a whole new bike. So I retrofit my bike with these good brakes. And I'm telling you, I can now do the thing that I love to do as a kid where you get going real fast and just lay on the brakes and lay this big skid mark. It's funny seeing a 35-year-old, 36-year-old person doing that, but, you know, it's, it was fun. And so I got my brakes and I got them done and I tested them because it was, you know, it was tweaking the bike in my free time, which there wasn't a whole lot of that. So it was about 1230 at night that I got the brakes put on. So I take it out for, take it out for a cruise, make sure they work and realize, okay, the brakes are working. And yeah, the front brakes are a little touchy and uh, they, they work and didn't think too much about it. We went traveling with well, the first thing on this adventure race. First part of the leg is you come down this real steep caliche incline to go. And so I'm like, okay, this is, this will work. And, uh, <laughs> and most of the people who are serious about this 
do this crazy thing of clipping in with these pedals, and they're like, they wear these special shoes, and they clip in so that they can get this real good crank. And I was debating on whether or not I needed the special shoes and the crank so I could really, really work. I'm so grateful I did not have the special shoes. And because uh, we are coming down this incline, and of course it slopes off to the edge, and I'm, I don't want to be going screaming fast, and I'm holding my back brake down and am skidding down this, down this hill, and I'm skidding to the side, and I'm about to go off the edge. And Keenan and Weston and my dad are behind me, so my boys are getting to watch this go down. And just in the last minute, I'm like, okay, I need to use a little bit of this brake, of this front brake. I'm just using the back brake. I'm going to use a little bit of this front brake. And I guess my adrenaline was pumping or something. Because, man, the next thing I know is I'm going down this hill and I'm going over my handlebars. And uh, I've already shared with you all how unathletic I am. I am I'm not an athletic individual. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit hit me. And it was just amazing. And because I did this incredible gymnastics move, and I leapfrogged, and thank God it was not clipped in, because then I would have just pulled and been stuck, and it would have been ugly. And, uh, and I, I, I leapfrogged my bike handle, my front handles, and boom, and I landed. It was great. Landed on my feet. My bike goes tumbling. It was like perfect dismount. It was awesome. And I was like, I so wish I had that on video. And, uh, anyways, but there was a, there was a problem. I had, my, my, my bicycle was a new creation and I had not fully appreciate. I did not understand how it worked. See, an appreciation for the new creation that we are in Christ is vital to our living fully for him. A lot of what begins once we receive Christ and we become this new creation, a lot of what our, our study and our Bible is about is finding out all this new who we are. That, man, I'm, I'm a new person in Christ. And a lot of this is discovering what it means to be a new creation in Christ and who we are now and what kind of gadgets come with this new creation that God has made us to be. Because guess what? The brake system works a little different in the new creation than it worked in the old creation. Things just work different. And we have to have a good appreciation for the new creation that God has made us to be. See, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, that's not, it's not saying if, some, if you've received Jesus and you've served him for 22 and a half years and you never skipped church and you read your Bible through every year, that at that point you're a new creation. No, it says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You choose to accept the free gift that God has offered through his son that we can be made right in, in with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. And we step into that. We are then become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Psalms 139, 14 says, I praise you. See, we see here David understood and began to have an appreciation for who he was. See, last week we talked about thanks towards God. And this week we're talking about thanking God for making us us, for making me me. We and there needs to be this appreciation for that of the creation that God made you significantly to be. And a lot of times this is where we choke. 
We can be thankful for somebody else. We can be thankful for God. But, man, we know our flaws. We know our hangups. We know a lot of things. And it's a lot of times difficult. But we need to do like David did here in Psalm 139, 14. says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Guess what? You are one of those wonderful works. And you have to begin to shift the way you see yourself and begin to see yourself through God's eyes to really begin to fully grow and appreciate all that God has done and made available in you. If you don't, if you aren't at a place that you can be thankful when you wake up in the morning for the creation and who you are, then I'm telling you, you're going to shortchange yourself. You're going to end up over the handlebars in your relationship with Christ. You're going to end up because we have to understand and be appreciative for who God has made us. Genesis 1:26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over the creatures that move along the ground. God made us in his image and placed us as the, the, the masterpiece of creation. Yes, the mountains are majestic. Yes, a sunset can take your breath away. Yes, there are creatures that make us laugh to look at them and be awe-inspired at how wonderful they are. But we are God's crowning creation. And you have to be willing to appreciate that about yourself. You have to be willing to see that when God made you, he made you wonderful. See, the truth is, is that we come down to there are two core commandments. Love, the, love God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all that you are. And the second one is like it. Jesus said, all the law and the prophets, this whole book gets wrapped up in those two things right there. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. How did we get thrown into the midst of that deal? How did we love our neighbor as ourself? See, when we begin to look at that, we understand that we can love others only as much as we love in a godly, right kind of love, love ourselves. Not that we are self-infatuated, not that we are hung up on ourselves, but that we genuinely any more than we shouldn't be overly infatuated with someone else or hung up on somebody else but we have to love ourselves see there is a there is a limit on our trip that we took we got the privilege of getting to go to disney world and disney world has all of the different parks and we got the the pass because we we thought maybe this may be the one time that the all of the kids are with us and we do disney world so we're going to do it all and we did the Disney World thing, the Magic Kingdom thing. That was a blast. The Epcot and Animal Kingdom. And we really enjoyed the, what's the other one? Hollywood Studios. Thank you, dear. And uh, we really enjoyed the Hollywood Studios. That's the one that has the real roller coasters in it with a rock and roller coaster. And, uh, but then they had this cool ride that my kids were real intimidated of um, called the Tower of Terror. And, uh, and so and they were way intimidated of it. And early on, they said... We're going to ride everything but the Tower of Terror. I said, okay, that's all right. 
Well, one of the things that, you know, you get into this thing and they, it's, it's, you know, has this little spooky quality to it and it's based off the twilight zone and whatnot. And uh, you get into it and you get into this elevator that's like goes crazy and it shoots you way up high and drops you way down low. And, but one of, the, one of the things that is comforting is the fact that you can see how tall that building is and that there is this limit on the havoc it can wreak on you. It has a lid. It can only go as high as so many stories, and it can only drop you down. And so you have no idea. It's just random. It just throws you up and down. But uh, there, is this, there is this limit. It can't take you any higher than it itself is. And so that was one of the things that gave my, my kids the courage to go ahead and do it because they've been on rides that were taller than that. They've been on some things, and so they got on there and, and rode it and, and didn't breathe, I think, for the whole first time they rode it and then realized it's okay, and it was, became one of our favorite rides, and it was, it was limited out. And see, we are that same way with our love. We cannot take somebody in love beyond where we are. We can't. And see, and that's one of the things that limits friendship relationships and marriage relationships and all sorts of things is that we really can't love the other person any further than we really love ourselves and to really to have this this self-hatred and be loaded with guilt and all these different things is destructive for every other relationship that you're in comes in the way of you and god that comes in the way of you and others we have to allow god to begin to revamp us and see ourselves as the new creation he has made us and begin to have an appreciation for that and go, wow, God, I don't deserve this. Man, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully remade. I have, God, you have done some incredible things in my life. That's not I got the privilege to be invited to a party. And I didn't ask Kelly's permission on this. But he just smiled at me, so I take that as permission. And, um, but uh, today, today, right now, is the one-year anniversary of Kelly Dunn's horrible, ugly wreck. He had a wreck where he ended up under, ran his car up under the, the back of a, of a fertilizer truck. And the car just, you just look at the pictures, and you're like, how can anybody get out of that? Well, he suffered a horrible head injury, really bad deal. And uh, the, the doctors, it was, it was real sketchy. Kelly can joke about it because he remembers nothing, doesn't remember the wreck, doesn't remember weeks of recovery. He wakes up and he's doing okay. He's in a hospital and out of the woods. But we saw the ugliness and the doctor's reports and all of that kind of stuff. Well, last night they celebrated the anniversary of... A wreck that did not win. That blessed guy, he is here today. He's sitting up there. He's, the doctors were amazed. They ran into the doctor that had operated on him and had asked, have you gone back to work yet? He was back to work in like a ridiculously short period of time. He said, well, what kind of things are you doing? Well, he loves to cycle. He, they had to take part, the front part of his skull out and stick it in his stomach. And he was that way for a long time so that the swelling could go down. And then they had to stick his skull back on. We were so grateful that he's a bonehead again. (laughs) 
And he says he's a bit of a numbskull too, because there's still places he can't feel. But we just celebrated the fact that, man, it was an ugly deal. I mean, he, he had a deep, deep thing. He didn't have to go through rehabilitation, didn't have to relearn to speak, didn't have to relearn to walk. There was all of these diagnoses that he was going to have to do all of this stuff. And I'm telling you, God just made a miracle out of his life. And last night, there was people all over at his house, and we got to come over and participate in that and celebrate and look at the pictures and look at the stuff and say, look at God. I'm telling the doctor that worked on him told him, you are a miracle. You are a miracle. And you know what is a beautiful thing? You know what? It, a lot of times the last thing in the workplace you'd want to be is to revisit something as painful, as ugly as that. And that wonderful couple has been used of God because there was somebody who recently rear-ended something and is in the hospital with a horrible brain injury. And the doctor said, you're such a miracle. You'd be a great inspiration to this family to see that you can come through this. Would you talk to them? And they went back up to that hospital and went back up into that environment that had so many uglies tied with it and took their victory into the middle of somebody else's fight. But you know, when we are thankful for what God has done, in, I'm telling you, it spreads, it's contagious, and it becomes this incredible victory that we can use in other people's lives. When you begin to say, I'm telling you, that's why we become the best salesmen for God when we appreciate what God has done in us. And for you to down that is to ignore what God has said about you. You are, you are arguing with God. You are arguing with God because he says you're worth his son. And you to say you're worthless, that is two ends of the spectrum. Do not find yourself opposing God on this issue. Let God renew you where you begin to see yourself there and begin to be thankful. Begin to be thankful and celebrate it. And those ugly things will have to be buried in the closet. Man, they had the pictures out and were enjoying and relishing in the fact that this family was together. He rode the hotter than hell 100. Six, actually, he did the 60-mile version of it this past August. Wasn't even a year out and was on his bicycle riding 60 stinking miles. God is so good. God, yes, give God the glory. God is so good. God is so good. See, we've got to do that because I'm telling you, as we begin to expand and let God begin to build, then it's adding another link in the chain. Another link in the chain on how far our love can reach. You have to let God work on how you view and appreciate his unique work in your life. You have to. You have to. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 38 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, see, we, uh, we struggle with this whole idea of loving self. There seems to be this, this incredible tension. As a believer, there is a tension between the old and the new self. See, in one, we should reject, and the other, we should embrace. 
You know, because as we read through the Bible, we see these negative things like it talks about self-seeking and self-indulgent and, and self-confident boasting and self-imposed worship and self-condemned and self-righteousness. And we see this self tied to these uglies. And a lot of times we can then begin to try to backpedal and say, man, I just need to, self is bad and I need to get out of there. Well, the thing is, it comes down to which self are we talking about? The old self or the new self? Because whichever one it is makes a difference. Man, I, I guess I lived a really blessed life because I didn't. we had a dishwasher in my house and I didn't run it growing up. Uh, my sisters did the dishes and somehow I had got trash duty and didn't have to learn how to use the dishwasher. So when Cutie and I were first married and we lived in an apartment that doesn't even exist anymore on campus and they knocked them down and built some prettier ones over there on Rosemont, and uh, we had a dishwasher and didn't have to do it ourselves. And my wife left. Keenan was real little and uh, just a baby. And Keenan left, I mean, Cutie, not Keenan, uh, left me in charge of doing the dishes. And so I'd do the dishes and load the dishwasher and go to put some soap in it. And I'm not familiar with the way this whole system works. And I go and grab the, the you know, the whatever, the palm olive or no, the, the dawn, that, the, the stuff you're supposed to put in there, the granule stuff. And I go to, and it's empty. Like, okay, well, the dishes are loaded. You know, I'm not going to do a halfway deal. So there on the sink is the joy. <laughs> Dishwashing soap, got to wash dishes. Cool, no problem. So it's got the little containers. I know you're supposed to fill, fill one, close it, and fill the other one. So I just... So close it. My wife does not know I've done this. She, doesn't, she wasn't there to speak some wisdom into my life. And we close it and we leave. We're on some errands. And uh, we come back. And we come back and go into the kitchen and it's a winter wonderland. I mean, we had, it, was, uh, it was magic Christmas. It, it was amazing. Santa had come. You, just, you could hear the sleigh bells and stuff. There was, there was white foam everywhere. And I'm telling you, it was this deep. And uh, we leave the room and go to get some towels. And we come back in. And, man, Keenan's in there, like, making snow angels. <laughs> Woo! He loved it. He thought we did it for him. It was, like, the best bubble bath ever. And uh, so, man, there was just bubbles pouring out. I'm telling you, you know where the, the little buttons, you push the buttons? There were bubbles coming out from between the slits with the buttons. There were bubbles everywhere. So you open up the dishwasher, and you couldn't see it. It was totally full. It was just this wall. And you knew there were dishes back there. And I'm telling you, we had to run it like six or seven times with no detergent in it. And it would leak bubbles. And then it would leak bubbles a little less. And finally, when bubbles quit squishing out, then we feel like, you know, maybe we can do it. And then I tell you, we, it, it totally messed things up. And I learned you never do that again. Which one you put in matters. And when it comes to self... When it comes to self, it matters. If we, we, we give in to our old self, we give in to that, that brings destruction. But we begin to appreciate the new creation. We begin to appreciate the new self. We begin to cultivate the new self. And it brings something totally different in our lives. Ephesians 4, through 24 says, You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And that, we know those deceitful desires. We know them. We've been wrapped up in them and had our heads smashed in by them and been all sorts of junk come from those things. And that's where we get gun shy of self. Because that old self and this deceitful desire, and we get gun shy of self. We just want to avoid this whole self thing. I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to be, I'm going to just not like myself and all this kind of stuff. No, that's not what God created us for. It says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness. Not self-righteousness, in true righteousness. The righteousness we get from God and from God alone, imputed to us and given to us through his son and holiness. See, Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with so that we should no longer be, remain slaves to sin. The old self was dealt with at the cross. And that's one of the things we are identifying that our death was done there. Our old self was dealt with at the cross. Luke 9, 25 says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and let lose or forfeit his very self, the real self, the eternal self, the self made in the image of God is a self worth fighting for and not get wrapped up in all of this other destructive stuff which gets wrapped up in the old self. Which self matters? Mark 8, 34 and 35 says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, the old self, and take up his cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for, for me and for the gospel will save it. There is a life that is saved in the losing of the other one. Which one matters? We've got to put off the old self with its destructiveness and embrace the new self, the new creation that God has made us to be. See, the more you discover who Jesus is, the more you discover who you were meant to be. My wife totally loves Christmas. She's all about Christmas. We're, we have uh, our closet, threw up all of the Christmas boxes in our living room this weekend. And we're putting up the trees, all six trees. And we have a forest, Christmas forest. And it's spread across the house. And the kids have them in their rooms. And then the dining room tree and the living room tree. And she loves Christmas. And uh, so as we were going through, well, there was an and going in and, and pursuing all of our Christmas stuff, well, it was, I kept getting distracted because I kept finding some of my cool stuff I'd been missing. It got shoved in that closet. As we'd moved in, there's my stuff I hadn't seen. And so my wife would get mad at me because I'd be messing with one of my things that I hadn't seen in a long time. And, and I, was, I was looking for this other and discovering some of my own. And it was wonderful. And that's the way the word tells us that this beautiful thing of pursuing God works. I love this. I love this. I love this. Let's look at Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, the beautiful thing is our lives are hidden with Christ in God. As we pursue Christ and we pursue to know him, we discover who we really were created to be. I begin to understand Brandon Clark and the way I'm wired and the way I'm uniquely and wonderfully made as I pursue Christ. I don't have to go on this journey of self-discovery to discover self. I have to go on this journey of Christ's discovery. And in that, I find out who I am uniquely made because I was made in his image. So as I pursue him, I find out who I really am. I find out of what I'm, what I'm called to do and what I'm not called to do. And there's freedom in both of those things. I find out how I'm wired and how I'm motivated. I begin to discover, and you do too. That's why is we ought to be becoming more and more individually like Christ. And our conformity comes not through conforming to the strict thing from the outside, but from each of us conforming to the image of Christ. And it will manifest itself uniquely through each of us because none of us were made the same. And so, but yet there is this harmony, yet diversity, as we each pursue Christ. It is such a beautiful, wonderful thing. I want to read the message translation to you right quick. I love the way it reads this. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to the spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. I love the way that reads. I love that, that our lives are hidden and we begin to more we begin to genuinely have appreciation for God. We have begun to see the wonder of the way he made us. See there is a difference between self-love and selfish. Selfish is about the old nature. It's about me 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 me. Having self-love is recognizing that God made you, gave heaven's best for you. And want to utilize that and touch other people's lives. It's the completely other end of the spectrum. We're not called to be selfish. This does not give us license to be selfish. But when we really appreciate all that God has done in our lives, we become these people who are unselfish in seeing that our lives are worth giving in service to him. Second Timothy 3 Two through one says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. That's that, that, that Greek word, it's one word, the lovers of themselves. And it's just as easily translated selfish. They will be selfish. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. The Romans 12, three says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourselves more highly than you ought. We should think of ourselves highly. 
but don't think of it, don't cross over into that self-adoration. Don't go more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you. 1 Timothy 4, 14 says, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Don't neglect the gift. Honor that. Honor what God has uniquely made. Don't neglect that. Don't ignore that. Cultivate that thing, that new creation, that new you. you there has to be. We have to give thanks to God. And then we also and be appreciative for all he is and who he is, but we also have to be this thing where we are so thankful that when our eyes pop open, we're us. And man, there are too many people too many people in this world that so wish they were somebody else. Given the chance, they would exit themselves and be somebody else in a heartbeat. They have no appreciation for the, what God is doing and wants to do in their lives. See, if you ever doubt your value, remember the price that God paid. He said you were worth his son. That is our plumb line. That is what we come back to. And we're about to have two moments right here. Quickly, I want to make a moment that if anybody needs to accept Christ, I want to make a moment for that. And I want everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to create an, an intimate place for that. And if you need to be in right relation with God through the gift of Jesus, that he paid the price,